Welcome to the Seattle Mariners Baseball Podcast. Diving stop, Seager. Toss on off the first. In time to get seven. Three-run homer. Robinson can off the lefty specialist, Fernando Abad. And the Mariners lead it five to four. Goodbye, baseball. Straight away, center field. Cano and Cruz go back to back. And the king, when the Mariners needed him the most, two hits over seven. Scoreless innings. Now, here's your host, Gary Hill. Hey, welcome back to the Auto Mariners Baseball Podcast. Thanks for being here again. Great to have you with us here from Houston as the Mariners get set to take on the Astros tonight. Just a two-game series, but what a fun two-game series this is shaping up to be. We'll go through it all in just a moment. We have a lot to get to in this podcast. We'll kind of preview these two games short series we'll talk about these two games coming up also uh we'll hear a conversation between aaron uh, goldsmith and mike blowers which i think is interesting rick riz sits down with dan altavilla and also josh kearns is back with an interesting piece on education day which just happened the mariners fanned out all over the seattle area so we'll have all that the draft started yesterday as well we'll have more coverage on that as we move through the week and also a little housekeeping before we get to previewing what's going on the next couple of days Uh, so i'm refreshing the open and here's the help i'm looking for i want four new i'm looking for four new highlights from this season you don't have to give me four but you can give me at least one Give me the highlight or highlights I should include in the open. There's been a lot of them from this season so far. What should be in the open? That's my question to you, at Gary Hill Jr. You can always email me, GaryHillPXP at gmail.com. So I'm looking for help. What should I include from this season in the open that we're going to refresh? So so thank you for the help as always. Oh, yesterday was long without a game, right? I mean, when the team's rolling like this, you prefer to play every single day. So off day yesterday, team actually flew to Houston after the game on Sunday. So heading into the two games against the Astros, have won four in a row. They've won 13 of 16. They were 8-2 and two during their last homestand. Now 37-22 and 22 overall. The teams with better records in the big leagues, the Red Sox and the Yankees. That's it. Mariners' third-best record in the majors. M's are 15-5 and five in their last 20. And it's just incredible. A 2-2-6 ERA in their last 20 ballgames. 11 of the 15 wins by one run. Five extra inning wins in that time. They've allowed 58 runs. They've scored 72. It has been an incredible incredible role and now they have a chance to match their largest winning streak of the season at five games but it's not going to be easy playing the Houston Astros who are right behind the Mariners of course the M's in first place in the West and the Astros just a game behind James Paxton goes for the Mariners tonight which is of course great news his last seven starts how about a 184 ERA 61 punchouts in 49 innings. Opponents batting a buck 54 against him. He has been vicious on everyone. In the last two seasons, he's pitched great against Houston. Last two years against the Astros, he has a 1.65 ERA. 
27 and a third innings, 27 strikeouts, and he's only been taken deep one time in five games, which is pretty amazing against this power-packed Astros lineup. So Paxton going tonight, 5-10 first pitch from Houston in game one of the series. So that's fantastic. Uh, Going for the Houston Astros in what is an historic rotation right now. The rotation has been ridiculous, so you're not – drawing luck no matter who you get with the five right now. Dallas Keuchel will get the ball for Houston tonight. Keuchel, a 3.65 ERA this year in 12 games so far. Last start against the Yankees on Wednesday went five, allowed four earned runs. He scuffled a little bit in his last three, and ERA just a touch over five and a half, but still doing the same sorts of things. His ground ball rate up there amongst the leaders, although down... Compared to years past, last year it was nearly 67%. This year at 54%, so quite a bit down compared to last year, but still amongst the leaders in the American League. In fact, in the American League, second just second to McCullers. So he's still doing what he does. Pitched really well against the Mariners. Actually, Paxton and Keiko went head-to-head earlier this season on the 16th. Mariners won that game 2-1. to one. Keiko, complete game. In Safeco Field, went eight, allowed two runs. Nelson Cruz took him deep. The Mariners got the win two to one. Just one of the one-run victories for the Mariners this year. The Astros did take the series, though, two games to one. Now, Houston, they've lost two in a row. They've lost four of six, but it's been a tough stretch. Cleveland, Yankees, Boston now facing the Mariners. This is the final two games of a six-game homestand. They just split with the Boston Red Sox. But it's interesting to look at the splits for the Astros, uh, offensively especially, at home batting 235 with 36 home runs. They've scored 129 runs in 31 games. On the road, batting 274, I mean, that's about 40 points, 35 home runs, about equal, but 172 runs compared to 129 runs at home, and that's in 30 games. And the splits individually for players are pretty interesting. Altuve, for example, 402 on the road, 254 at home, 12 doubles on the road, three doubles at home. Correa at home batting 202 with seven homers on the road, 321 with three home runs. So a couple of their keys in the middle really struggled for whatever reason at home so far this season. We'll see if James Paxton can take advantage of that. Astros offense, middle of the pack in just about everything. Uh, better in on-base percentage, fourth best. Uh, slugging fifth best. They have scored the third most runs in the American League at 301. But pitching has been the name of the game for Houston. They are first no matter where you look. ERA? 282 as a staff. That's best in the big leagues. Batting average against 207. Best in the big leagues. Walks 151. Lowest in the majors. Most strikeouts by a lot. 632. Most in the majors. In fact, the rotation historic. Right now, a 243 ERA as a rotation. If they ended with that, they would have the best rotation ERA in baseball history. The St. Louis Cardinals of 68, they have a 249. That's, you know, Gibson, Carlton, you know, guys like that. 
but that's where Houston lives right now. They have the best strikeout rate for any rotation in baseball history right now, striking out 10.37 per nine innings as a staff. And we get these numbers as a rotation, a 2.69 ERA combined, 444 strikeouts, opponents batting a buck 98 against them, and they have a whip below one as a rotation combined. I mean, that is what they have done this year. And you go into this series, though, the Mariners ahead of them by a game. So this is going to be fun with Paxton on the hill. Paxton, Keuchel, game one of the series. We'll go more about game two coming up in the podcast tomorrow, but game two is going to be great as well. Wade LeBlanc takes the mound, Lance McCullers, and then off to Tampa Bay for four games. But tonight's going to be fun. Mariners, Astros from Minute Maid in Houston. James Paxton on the mound. Looking forward to this one. Looking forward to talking to you about it tomorrow as we see what happens. Right now, though, let's give things off to Rick Riz, who had a chance to sit down with Mariners reliever Dan Altavilla. Danny, what does it take to be a good reliever, especially at this level? Yeah, it, you know, it takes coming into a game and staying in uh, controlled aggression and coming in and getting that strike one and coming right after guys uh, without letting your emotions take over. As the game goes along, sixth inning, seventh inning, you guys are getting ready, pretty good chance you're going to come in there sometime during the course of the ball game. When does your heart start pumping? I, right whenever the phone rings, I think everyone starts to get alert, and that's whenever the adrenaline starts kicking in, kind of looking at the scoreboard and the lineup and see where you fit best to go in the game. When the phone rings, does everybody jump at the same time except Edwin Diaz because usually we see Eddie in the ninth inning? Yeah, Eddie, he has his own routine. He, probably stretches around the seventh inning so he kind of has his role but everyone else stretches in the fifth inning so what's your routine like you say stretching but when do you start getting loose and mentally getting ready to come into a ball game yep uh, around the fourth inning we start to lock in um, and then the fifth inning everyone gets up stretches we we do our band exercises weighted balls uh, running anything we have to do to get our muscles prepared to go into the game how many pitches does it take to get ready out in the pen before you have to leave? Um, everyone's different, but for me, it's around 8 to 10. That's it, and you're ready to go, and then you get your 8 when you get to the mound? Yeah, ready to go. Just uh, make sure your arm's loose. Uh, a lot of guys just like to throw fastballs to get the blood pumping, and then uh, whenever you get out to the mound, that's whenever you start feeling your pitches and getting ready for them. All right, you get loose, you get ready, you throw your pitches in the bullpen, the door opens. You got that run from that bullpen to the mound. What's going through your mind? Uh, that's the run in. You just kind of clear your mind, try not to think about too much. And, you know, whenever the skipper hands you the ball, you, you get the signs from Z and you get on the same page and you just come in ready to attack and just nice and relaxed out there. What does Scott tell you when he hands you the baseball? Go get him? Yeah, just go get him. <laughs> yeah, typically. <laughs> now, most relievers, I think every reliever started little league, high school, college. That was basically uh, your path as well. When, when did you go to the bullpen? I went to the bullpen my freshman year of college. Uh, that's whenever, you know, older guys were, you know, already had their roles as a starting rotation. And, um, you know, I just I fit the mold better. I was starting to throw harder. And then um, my sophomore year when the guys graduated, that's whenever they started to uh, transition me back into a starter. So. And you were drafted as a starter or reliever? Starting starter. pitcher. Yeah. yeah. Starting pitcher and then played about a season and a half and then they converted me to the bullpen whose idea was that and what was the transition like for you right I think it was um you know I backed up a game a big league game in um 
in uh, spring training, and my velo spiked. So I think it was, you know, a combination of people, the front office, and you know, player development. They just uh, they saw a quicker jump to the big leagues whenever I was uh, a reliever. You talked about the velocity. How did the velocity jump as a starter at 94, 95? I'm guessing to 97, 98, up to 100 as a reliever. Right. I think uh, just coming into the game and not being able to hold anything back. You have, you know, you just have the three hitters or whoever you're facing. As a starter, you kind of have to, you know, as the game goes on, kind of just you want to stretch out to the fifth, sixth inning. But uh, as a reliever, you can kind of go in there and give it everything you got. Visiting with Dan Altavilla here on Rick's Tips about what it's like to be a reliever in the big leagues. Danny, what's the best part of the job? Best part of the job? <laughs> you know, just being out there with the guys, uh, Juan uh, Nicasio, Colome, Diaz, Cook, you know, Pazos, all those guys. Great, great guys down there. Just being able to hang out with them and, you know, just taking the experience of being a big leaguer is, you know, I think that's the best part of the game. You mentioned those guys down in the bullpen. Now, who's the guy that keeps everybody the loosest? Who likes to have the most fun down there in the bullpen? Because then it's it's time to get busy. It's time to get serious. But before then, yeah. who's the big jokester? Uh Eddie has a lot of fun down there. He's always joking around, especially with Fleming, our bullpen catcher. But, uh, yeah, typically those guys like to have more fun and keep it loose down there. What's the toughest part of the job? Toughest part of the job? Um, I would say just being locked in every single day. Um, I think that's what a lot of people, it's a misconception. We have to show up. It's, it's, it's a game, but you have to stay locked in mentally the whole time. And, you know, it takes a toll on you. When you come into the ball game, there's usually something going on and runners on base, and you got to come in and, and throw strikes right away. When, when did you get that command of your fastball? When did that come along for you? Um, you know, it, it's still it's still a work in progress, I think, for a lot of guys too. But um, you know, it's it's this year in spring training, I feel like I'm I'm starting to get a better feel for it and everything. So, you know, um, just being converted to the pen. It, you know, it wasn't as smooth sailing as I thought, but um, it's starting to get a lot better. Now, most guys in the bullpen are built like middle linebackers, and you are. <laughs> what, what in the world is your routine like during the offseason to get ready for spring training? <laughs> uh, a lot of heavy lifting and uh, weighted balls, but, um, you know, typically in the offseason, you know, there's no restrictions. You don't have to worry about being ready for a game every day. So that's whenever I try to build up as much strength as possible and, you know, uh, starting to get back in the mobility during the season. Last question for you, Danny, talking about relieving. What's the best advice for kids, little league, high school, college, uh, as far as being a reliever? Just go out there and have fun and enjoy the enjoy the job, enjoy the, the pressure? Yeah, I mean, just don't try to look too far into it. Just come in, you know, do your job from the first pitch. Don't try to look too far down the lineup because that's whenever you get into trouble. So just go out there, have fun, and enjoy it. And here's Aaron and Blow. Mike, we've heard since day one of the uh, DePoto service regime, we have heard of control the zone, right? This has been a thing. Of course, yes. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, Jerry has kind of talked to us recently about that a little more in depth than just the simply surface level of, hey, if you're a pitcher, throw strikes, don't walk hitters. And if you're a hitter, well, take walks when appropriate and don't swing at bad pitches. But he was telling us the other day about this idea of basically a C the Z number. Okay. And – he basically thinks of it as run differential. And the history of this, by the way, comes from kind of really early in his pro days in the front office, something he picked up during his time with the Red Sox. And it's basically a plus-minus. And the plus side is how many 
walks the Mariners take, mm -hmm. plus how many strikeouts Mariners pitchers deliver. Okay, you take that number and you subtract it from how many walks the Mariners issue and how many strikeouts Mariners hitters create. And that's kind of the plus minus that he's looking at. And his thought is, hey, from game to game, this is not a good indicator, right? One game at a time. Right. It's like a run differential. That's sure. not a good rent indicator on a per-game basis. But his feeling is that over the longevity of 162, the teams that are in the upper echelon of that that have a high positive number, and the Mariners right now are in the plus 70-ish area, and those are the teams that will be in the playoffs. I thought it was kind of an interesting way of looking at it. I think it's, it's a great way to look at it. There's a couple of things to it, though, that I think is also interesting. Um, somebody that we've talked a lot about over the last few days for good reason is somebody like Gene Segura. Um, when you look at him, he's obviously not going to walk a lot because he wants to be aggressive and swing the bat D the same way, but they reach base at a high rate. Um, so I think there's some consideration on something like that, too. I love it on the pitching side of things. I think that it's a fantastic way to look at it, um, especially in today's game when you have the type of power arms that basically every team has, especially in their bullpens. If you are winning on that end of it, you're in great shape, I think. But it, it's, 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 it's interesting on the sample size that you need. I wonder what that would be. Um, you look at the Mariners right now, obviously have played really well. Their run differential, something that you mentioned earlier, is at a 13, which is pretty low when you consider how well they've played and how far over 500 they are. So I think there's a lot of factors that you look at, but I really like that one um, a lot. For the pitchers, and I would have to see what type of team I have and how aggressive my hitters are to start the year to see how all that would work out. Yeah, I mean, you bring up a great point because for, for any statistic you're looking at on a team-by-team -team basis, I mean, you have to look at your personnel because we've, right. we've kind of made the comparison before. This team reminds you in a lot of ways of those playoff Kansas City Royals teams in recent years, teams that are those Royals teams for Ned Yost. They never walked, but guess <laughs> what? They never struck out. They were right. always putting the ball in play. Yeah, and that's a, I think that's a real skill, and it's rare, I think, on an individual basis. So if you have a team that is capable sure. of doing that, I think that is a huge advantage. And we've seen a lot of that from the Mariners' offense this year, um, and, and even to the point to where we haven't seen them at full strength, probably for the majority of the time. But that's still something that I think is interesting to look at. Talk about putting the ball in play earlier on the homestand. We even saw Nelson Cruz reach on an infield base hit, Mike, because he put the ball in play instead of striking out. I also saw him get a base hit on an exit velocity of 116. Um, so watch yourself out there <laughs> if you're an infielder. You know, it's funny. It's one of those things you would almost wonder because, look, I mean, Nelson hits the ball hard a lot of the time, but he's going to hit a ball off the end of the bat or get jammed from time to time. And as deep as everybody has to play against him, if he's healthy, you would think he would have more infield hits, even though it's rare. Um, I also like the dive in the second that he oh had. Oh, my gosh. Come I on. That, that was that terrific. Was amazing. That was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the main thing of all of that with Nelson and controlling the zone is when his bat is going through the zone, um, he's generating a lot of bat speed and can do some damage, and it's just been great to watch him healthy. Speaking of Nelson Cruz yeah. and uh, exit velocity, this is a conversation I need to have with more opposing third basemen. I was talking with Joey Gatto the other day when the Rangers were in town. And as you know, Joey has spent a good chunk of time at third base. Yeah. And he talked about how deep he would play when Nelson Cruz was hitting and that he, he literally couldn't go back any further unless he would have been feet deep into left field because even for as ginormous of a man as Joey Gallo is, he wanted no part 
of those line drives. I don't think that there's any shame at all for a third baseman to be standing on the outfield grass when Nelson or Stanton or somebody like that, Aaron, or, yeah, Judge, anybody like that, to be on the grass. Now, you have to have a strong arm sure. to play that deep, but um, one, they're not going to try to bunt. And two, you just protect yourself. I In mean, fact, if they did try to bunt, Joey, Joey Gallo would be saying, uh, Bannister, you're welcome. Yeah, yes, the, the opposing manager would like it too. But I, I think that for myself, um, go back to the Kingdom days playing on the carpet, I was, I was behind the line against a lot of hitters. When you talk about Canseco and McGuire and, and guys like that, I would play as far back as I possibly could. Uh, one, just to give myself an opportunity to get there because they hit the ball that hard, and two, uh, protect myself a little bit. <laughs> Self-preservation. Yeah. And here's Josh Kearns. The kids at Seattle Stevens Elementary were extra fired up this week, and for good reason. Are you guys ready to meet some, meet some Seattle Mariners? Who wouldn't want to meet King Felix, the Boomstick, Mike Zanino, and a handful of other Mariners, not to mention the always dashing Aaron Goldsmith? This week's visit was just one of several around the Puget Sound area, as M's players and broadcasters took their show on the road for the 21st annual Dream Team Assemblies. You know, it's good to you mean get out in the community and just sort of, I mean, try to bring a positive message and uh, use our platform to uh, reach out to some kids. For catcher Mike Zanino, it was well worth taking a little time during the day to make a big difference in the community. I grew up in a small town, so I didn't really have uh, anybody come in for that. So, I mean... Uh, I imagine pretty cool, you know, obviously to be able to have some guys come in. And, uh, I mean, obviously for the kids, it's always nice to have a little break in their school day, too. In the assemblies, the kids are encouraged to dream, hence the name, of course. And each letter carries a powerful message. The D is for drug-free, delivered by M's pitcher Dan Altavilla. I know you all have big dreams. I heard some of you say you want to be doctors, dentists, and um, artists. Those of you guys should be really proud of those dreams. But in order to achieve those dreams... You have to stay away from drugs. But admittedly, the kids were more impressed with the impromptu physics lesson, courtesy Dan and Aaron. Now, you guys, when, when your parents are driving you around on the highway, well, how fast are you guys driving? 60, 55, 60, 65 miles an hour? 60, all right. Maybe some of the parents are a little faster, right? Okay, well, this next guy, are you ready for this? He, he can throw a baseball. He can throw a baseball 99 miles an hour. Hey, I would, I would not make this stuff up, okay? The R is for respect, and who better to talk about that than Nelson Cruz? Every dream can start with that, you know. Us um, as a player, we have to respect the game, respect uh, our teammates, respect coaches, the umpires, even when they don't do the right call. <laughs> Anytime you have the chance to come and to your experience, you know, and hopefully inspire, inspire one of those kids. Um, um, it's important. I mean, we get a lot from baseball, and it's always nice to give something back to the community. The Ian dream is for education. Just ask Mike Z, a University of Florida grad drafted by the M's after a stellar college career. Well, education is starting right where you guys are today. It's uh, learning, listening to your teachers, doing your homework. It's the one thing out of all this I'll never leave you. As long as you keep educating yourself, you'll be able to do anything that you want to do. Hurler Mike Lee talked up the right attitude, even if he'd never faced a group of kids like this before. Are, are you scared to go face the kids? No, I'm not. <laughs> um, they can be pretty intimidating, but uh, they're little, so we have a little more knowledge on them. And catcher David Freitas tackled motivation. For whatever you guys want to do, um, every single day you guys wake up, 
you should be 100% motivated to do everything you can that day to get yourself a little bit closer to your dreams. The kids also got a big challenge courtesy of King Felix and newly acquired reliever Alex Colome. I think we can challenge these kids to, to what do you think, read a book a week? Read two books a week. Two books? What do you think? Alex, you with two books? Two books. All right. All right, guys. So we will challenge you to read two books every week. Do you guys think you're up for that? All right. All right. Challenge accepted. The message was clearly received. And the kids came away with big smiles, autographs, and other memorabilia, as well as something that'll stick with them, hopefully, for the rest of their lives. Just ask former M's great and broadcaster Dan Wilson, whose wife happens to work at the school. We just live up the block, and then, of course, my wife is here, and, and, uh, and then we've gotten to know Brian and, and his wife, who works for the Mariners. So, yeah, it's, a, it's nice to, to, to be a part of the family here, so to speak. But I, it's such a great message, and to have the players come out here and, and uh, mention some of the things that, that help them achieve their dream. I mean, I think it's very impactful for the kids and a great way to, for them to get involved with the players. Do they even know who you are? Uh, probably not, no. Um, and, and that's great. Uh, but um, I'm, I'm, my, my better identity is Mrs. Wilson's uh, husband, right? So that, that works out great. But whether your name's Nelson, Felix, or Wilson didn't really seem to matter to the kids. Just the fact that big league ballplayers took time out of their busy days clearly had a huge impact. And it's why the M's will be back next year for another round of Dream Assemblies. We've had a great time here. These guys have to get back to the ballpark. They're taking on the Rangers. Thank you. Go Mariners! For the Mariners Sunday Magazine, I'm Josh Kearns reporting.